Welcome to Zen of Business. My name's Shamash. And my name's Yvonne. Zen of Business is about inspiring you to bring more awareness, kindness and wisdom to you, your business and the world. And our guest today is Emma Slade or Pima Deki. And yeah. Yvonne's going to introduce her Well, to welcome to the show, Emma. And uh, it's a great privilege for me to sit here because I've known you quite a long time. And uh, I met you when you were uh, teaching yoga and I was in great, great problems with my health and you really, really helped me. And um, it was wonderful to see quite a transformation in your life over the last few years. And um, I wonder if you want to just tell us a little bit how you come to be where you are, how you come to be now a Buddhist nun mm. and a little bit about you know your life previously in business. Yes, um, thanks very much for inviting me today. Um, if you don't know my story, then uh, I was in the financial markets. I had a high-flying career, you could say, in New York and London and eventually Hong Kong, uh, where I assisted on managing a billion US dollars in high-risk emerging debt securities uh, in the fund management industry. And... Um, <laughs> that seems a long time ago now that was in the uh, in the 90s and uh, after a, an incident which occurred in my life a dramatic incident you can say I thought more deeply about how I wanted to use my time and my life uh, what was going to bring it meaning and eventually through a lot of practice and time teaching yoga eventually I became a Buddhist nun and uh, that's uh, how I intend to spend the rest of my life. And as part of my dedication to uh, use the skills that I have to benefit other people, I founded the charity Opening Your Heart to Bhutan in 2015. And so I work now uh, in the Himalayas with children with special needs. And uh, many of the skills that I previously gained in my business career, of course, are coming to very good fruition now, mm. helping those children. So you you were saying that, you know, now from a Buddhist nun perspective, you've really begun to look at the world of business through a different filter. And um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your sort of perceptions of what's going on in the world now with business and, and what, what you feel about that? Yes, I suppose personally, as I say, uh, many of the analytical and presentation and communication skills which I learnt in business now, in fact, those uh, skills are being used, but just for a very different purpose. Mm. And uh, all of us, all of us humans have things to offer in the world. We all have different skills, um, but how we choose to use them for what end is really the key point. And so, of course, anybody uh, producing uh, goods or wealth, if they then are sharing those goods or wealth with many or doing it for the benefit of many, then that's uh, wonderful. And uh, I always encourage anybody in uh, business who has the opportunity to generate a wealth, of course, as we've got wonderful examples with Bill Gates uh, uh, in the States, to become a philanthropist, there's nothing wrong in making wealth, but then you have such a great opportunity to help many, many people. 
And uh, I think if more people in business could have the courage to grasp that point, it, it would be truly wonderful. So we, we were saying, I mean, one of the reasons that Shamash and I started to reflect on the idea of Zen and business is that we are worried that um, people do business and they, they perhaps destroy more than they build. So there's a sort of a sense almost, people sometimes say to me, it's a bit of an oxymoron Zen and business. How can you practice kindness, meditation, reflection, wisdom whilst making a living? And I suppose we're all sitting here going, well, is there a different way for the world to operate? Because people have to earn a living. Um, we're, we're wondering, maybe you've got some answers to this, Emma, but is there a different way about doing business rather than just consuming so much? And trying to grow all the time. Yes, I mean, both the word Zen and the word business are ones that you could uh, debate uh, in quite a lot of detail. Uh, so we should remember that. I'm not a Zen practitioner, I'm a, a Himalayan Buddhist practitioner where great emphasis is placed on compassion and uh, the examination of what brings happiness. Uh, so firstly, in that area, I would say that on an individual level, happiness comes from realizing a state of having enough. So it comes having examined what is it that is going to bring me contentment. And uh, in fact, that question directly links to business in the sense that if you look at the a marginal utility, the theory of marginal utility in economics, you will find that they say that the first cake will make you happy, it will satisfy your hunger. The second cake will make you quite happy, uh, but you're no longer really hungry at that point. The third cake uh, you won't want, and the fourth cake will actually make you sick. So we can see a great parallel between um, Buddhist ideas of the importance of knowing when is enough, uh, where uh, contentment comes from being able to say, I have enough, and economic models, actually. And I think both uh, uh, personally and uh, for corporates and for countries and for the world, um, this notion of, of what consumption level you need uh, to be happy, not consumption for consumption's sake, but consumption in order to be happy, this is something which is probably worth looking at. From a Buddhist point of view, the point is that when you say you have enough, or this is enough for me today, this is enough food, this is enough uh, space that I'm living in, these are enough clothes, etc. This is not a negative place. This is not a place of weakness or failure or martyrdom. This is a place at which the human really starts to uh, fly. They, they leap off at that point. They say they have enough and then they can consider, okay, I have now got enough. So what should I be using my energy and my time for now? I have enough. So then we start to think about uh, how we can uh, uh, benefit others, not with resentment or a grudging feeling, but with this feeling of huge um, gratitude and joy that we have enough and now we can be truly useful in the world. This is the point. Mm. 
I like that. Um, it just reminds me, we were going to write one chapter in our book about balancing contentment mm. with goals. So is that is that kind of where where you kind of the direction you're kind of talking about? Are you saying that okay, we try and find some contentment with our own personal needs, and once we've done that, we can start setting goals or trying to help other people. And and so okay, I may have enough, but other people don't, or there's other situations in the world which are actually not. I think without yes, I think without clear consideration, it's very easy just to go on assuming that endless consumption is what we're all about. So what I'm saying is that for an individual or a corporate or a country, actually we need to look very precisely. We need to ask ourselves this question: For me personally, what what do I feel I need in order to say I have enough? What what is that? What does that look like to you? And we need to be very clear about that because otherwise we will just endlessly, we will just endlessly go on thinking, okay, I'll just get more and more things and, mm. uh, you know, that's, that's what to do. We need to take charge of this question and look inside ourselves and say, okay, is, you know, is a, is a flat enough for me? Is a house or do I keep going on until I've got five houses? I just think everybody needs to ask that question very clearly of themselves and, that in in itself would create a goal you know that in itself would create a goal for instance um i uh, you know i have these clothes i have my buddhist robes i don't have any other clothes i don't own any other clothes this is enough for me um i have a small house it's enough for me yeah mm-hmm. of course i could uh, use my time to acquire a larger house but why would i do that exactly why yeah yeah so i think it's 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 in this very um enthusiastic way not in a way of of kind of feeling as if somehow you're 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 you know you're giving up something or having less of something but realizing that if you say this is enough for me this is where my contentment lies and you achieve that then things can really start happening but endlessly wandering thinking more and more and more and more and more is the way to go from a buddhist point of view or as i say even from an economic point of view in the end will lead to sickness yeah Mm -hmm. I'm curious about like so you you mentioned earlier how you're managing part or partly managing this billion dollar fund and I guess you're getting paid quite well for that. Mm. So was there a sense of still you didn't have enough and then once you became a Buddhist nun there was more the sense of I have enough with very little. What what was the what was that transition? Yeah, like? I can say I never really was a kind of um, hugely greedy person. I have to say that even when I was in the financial markets, what was fascinating to me was how they operated and making the uh, right decisions and getting to the the truth of the uh, company and making an assessment of it. I was always a, quite an intellectual banker, I can say. I, I was never one who was going to buy a Porsche. But clearly I was uh, well paid then and um, uh, I presumed that happiness lay uh, to a certain extent in... Um, more suits and uh, a large shoe collection. That was a particular weakness <laughs> of And uh, I just hadn't really thought about it. I, I hadn't taken the time to stand back and think, okay, what, 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 you know, where am I on this? Am I going for a, you know, am I going for a flat? Am I going for a, a mansion? Where, where, where am I aiming for? So here? you ask yourself you that know. question when you're a in banking no I didn't oh you didn't I didn't, didn't. oh you didn't right. so of course if you don't ask yourself those questions then you just 
wander around aimlessly just yeah. thinking mm. more is better without mm. really looking mm. into it in depth yeah. and of course more is not necessarily better we we know that we yeah. know the planet as a whole is suffering from that yeah. thinking yeah and as i've said from the economic marginal uh, utility theory as a from yeah. an individual uh, you know it, it also doesn't work yeah and so it's a bit it's a question about having the courage to think like that and i think obviously in a um, capitalist uh, society nothing wrong with the capitalist society you know per se I'm not you know I'm not mm. screaming and shouting about that but uh, the, the the point is that it's quite scary to ask that question because then you really have to ask deeper questions mm. you know it's much easier to go on just thinking well more is inevitably better yeah. it's quite scary if you say to people well look you've got enough now you don't need to endlessly consume it then people might think well oh well, 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 then what am I going to do? And what, 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 where's my direction coming from? At that point, you have to look inwards, right? You have to look yeah. at really at what it is to be a human being and really the full potential of a human being. Mm. And for many people, I think that that is they need they need some steps there. They need some guidance there, and and that takes courage. That kind of mm. question, I would say. Okay. Interesting. So how about for like at the moment you've got this book out and you've got mm. this charity that you mm. run. So do you say like, okay, if I've sold this many books, mm. that's enough. Or I've raised this much money for my mm. charity. Now I can just rest. Do you have that attitude now with what you're doing at the moment? So I wrote my book set free to raise funds for my charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the bottom line there. It's yeah. already raised many thousands of pounds, but it's yeah. also inspired people, I think, towards act of, of kindness in their yeah. own lives. That's what people tell me, which is truly wonderful. Beautiful. From a, a practitioner's point of view, um, while suffering remains in the world so clearly, we must continue to do all we can to relieve that suffering. Yeah. And so uh, my efforts, my time, my intelligence, my energy, the book, is in order to uh, uh, use funds to help children with uh, special needs and that's what I'm about I want to complete building this school in eastern Bhutan and then I'll I'll have a think as a practitioner though you can never personally I feel very content personally but as a practitioner while suffering remains in the world Mm. that's not particularly interesting to me Mm. it's nice that I'm content yeah you know brilliant yeah but that then look around, look mm. around at the world, mm. you know. So from a, obviously people are very interested in achieving personal happiness. Mm. But the point is from a practitioner's point of view, that's just the starting point. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And would you also say that your happiness actually lies in the, the act of relieving other people's suffering anyway? Whereas if we just sought our own personal happiness, that... It wouldn't be a very deep happiness anyway. Um, well, they're very, very interlinked, obviously. I think mm. my personal happiness has come in from a few different things. Um, obviously, questions like a feeling I've, uh, I have enough. Yeah? Yeah. It, but the uh, point about the charity and helping the children is really the happiness that it gives me there. I, I don't know if I'd call it happiness. What I'd call it is feeling meaningful. Mm. Uh, feeling meaningful, feeling mm. as if my time and my skills are being used mean, meaningfully for the benefit mm-hmm. of many people, not ju- just for my own um, hobbies. <laughs> you yeah, know, I don't yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. my own satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you 
you know, when I'm when I'm with the children and I see the difference we're making, I, I you know, I'm I'm giving them equipment or I'm uh, uh, you know giving them bedding or educational equipment or we're building a, a a dining hall for the school at the moment, and I see them benefiting from that, but still. Uh, suffering with their physical needs like cerebral yeah. palsy etc I don't think I can say I feel happy because it just doesn't feel right but I feel meaningful and mm. I feel as if I've made a commitment to these children and I'm sticking with it and that but happiness isn't quite the quite work the quite mm. the right word for it no. but it is obviously um, mm. what motivates me to continue yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that word Plus meaning me. is is absolutely fabulous they're Probably the most profound book I have ever read, really, is called, is Victor, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And he was a he's a psychotherapist um, who went through the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And he said, in the end, how did you survive being in the camps? The only way was to believe that through this there would be meaning and he went on to found a huge school of psychotherapy and I think one of the things we're hearing from all our guests is Mm. that actually dealing with finding meaningful things to do is an immense joy Mm. so in a way sort of the happiness almost comes from the mean having meaning and and relieving suffering even if it's as you say you can't maybe change the cerebral palsy of your Mm. the children you Mm. work with but just seeing them have more ease or they've got an ability to get to their hospital. I know you've got mm. raised some money for a wonderful minibus mm. out there. So I'm wondering, Emma, whether you've got anything to encourage our listeners about how, how can you give them some practical steps? I know you're a very practical person about mm. how they can begin to reflect on what could give them meaning, how they could use their maybe their business skills to create more meaning or more more compassion in the world well i guess if if uh, individual by individual asks this question of what is enough you know on a daily basis in any area of their life what is what is enough then they will feel less in need mm. and they will feel less vulnerable they will feel full in a state of fullness now, when you're in a state of fullness, then it's much easier to help others, to give away uh, in any way, whether it's your time or physically or just to smile at somebody in, in you know, in any way. So first of all, I think uh, it's good to examine that. Then realize that your your sense of meaning, your sense of happiness is never going to occur in a, in a state of isolation. It only comes alive in connection with others whether it's other humans, other uh, animals, uh, you know, it comes alive in a state of connection. And I would say to um, see that also clearly and cherish it. And when you do something to help another being, take a moment and pat yourself on the back because you didn't need to. It's very important to recognize that at that point, you made a choice to do that and you didn't have to you could have not smiled you could have said no I haven't got the time you could have said no I need all that money for me and you didn't Mm. at that point you need to recognize that and you need to pat yourself on the back for it um, because uh, then you will you will begin to understand and your uh, capacity to help others and to know the source of your own happiness and meaning that will become much stronger 
I, I, I heard you speak about this before, I mean, and I really, really reflected on it myself because I, I think we all know that the ego could go, oh, look at me, aren't I great? And so we perhaps don't do that. But when we... Hum- no, it's not like that. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. When, we, no. when we humbly go, well, mm. that was a good thing you did. And then we remember it and then we cherish the fact that we did. I think that is such a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 when the mind is in the grip of greed or selfishness, yes, then um, it's, you're in the grip of something. It's not your essential nature. When you do, when you choose to give, to give your time, give your kindness, whatever, then your true nature is coming to the surface and you're freeing yourself from being in the entrapment of greed or selfishness, etc. And it's nothing to do with ego, in fact. Mm. It's to do with where your true self lies. Are you recognizing that? And so what I mean is you should... You should feel as if a little bit of of, of a little uh, chain of armor that's been keeping you in, uh, like with this greed and selfishness. It's just one of them is broken, <laughs> then another one is broken. It's like that. It's mm-hmm. that's how it is. So is that? Do you literally visualize it? I mean, how I do you practically do that? It's good to visualize. I think it's good to visualize it because with many of these things that we're talking about now, these are the intangibles. They're the invisibles. Mm. You know, we're talking about you know, was like compassion or kindness or um, happiness, contentment. These are, these are, why sometimes these are difficult is because they're quite hard for people to, as uh, Yvonne says, to, to think about practically, you know, practically, how do I make that happen? Mm. So to, things that make these um, uh, true uh, aspects of the heart and mind tangible and for some people, that's I'm a very visual person, so mm. I like to imagine these things visually. Mm. Uh, that helps me a lot. Mm. Um, people learn in different ways, but for me, that's you know that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So someone, because um, I come across different people running business, and there's there's one group where uh, they are thinking a lot about others. They're trying to help others, but because they're not thinking about the money side or their own income, they may not have enough money to pay rent or to pay for their bills or to pay for food. And so there certainly isn't enough for them. And yet it's very easy for them to think about others. So would you have any advice for that kind of group of people? Yes. No, I mean, that sounds slightly as they may be, as if they may be separating themselves from others. Hmm. Um, That would be a false, false separation. Hmm. You know, there is no self and other in separation. Yes. So really their responsibility is to all those beings. Yes, clearly they must uh, be able to um, have enough for them. Like I said, we have to look at this question of what is enough. Well, first of all, you know, if they're not able to pay their rent or feed themselves, then they're placing themselves in a very vulnerable position. And in fact, their long-term capacity to help others may be very, very compromised. So uh, we shouldn't uh, start out with this separation of self and others, but also we have to, as I say, get our own situation sufficient mm. uh, in, in the beginning. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, otherwise, there will be some notion of sacrifice as if there's a sense of self and other and you're sacrificing yourself mm. for others. That's not the way to, uh, to see things. Mm. And that's a really good point because, you know, I know I coach often people burnt out, you know, doing other things for others. And I and I often say you have to come back to that understanding of what you need to, to enable yourself 
to go and help others. And I really like that thought that, about not separating yourself. Is there some sort of um, meditative practice or reflection to encourage people to remember to think about themselves? Because I think it's very easy for this particular group of people to give, 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 and they almost feel they're being selfish when they're trying to make ends meet and just meet their own thing, their own needs to just have enough. Is there some sort of compassion meditation or some sort of reflection or something that they could do to remind themselves to look after themselves first so that they can look after others? Um, you know, the notion of self-compassion doesn't really exist in Himalayan Buddhism because the self cannot be separated from anybody else, right? So the phrase self-compassion is a strange one. Okay. Is a, is a, is a strange mm. one. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, every action we take, every thought we have, every uh, speech we make, whether it's about what we would call a self or another, should always be kind and not lead to suffering. Mm. So in a way, that's it's that it's really reflecting on that kindness. Yeah, that, that if you if you're being kind to yourself, you become kind to others. And, yeah, and there's the other no separation. Is the there's, no, there's no separation. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's yeah. what you were saying at the beginning is that taking time to to really connect yourself and go, yeah. you know, and I I love this thing about you know. Have I got enough? But also, am mm. I enough? Because a lot of people don't think they're enough, so they do lots of things all the time so that they can make themselves feel enough. And I think sometimes there's also that element that going, it's okay to be who you are, the mm. way you are. Mm. Because even if you are not the best sort of cook ever, but you just lovingly make food for your family, that's okay. It's, en- it's enough to be enough, in a way. So I think there's that element of enoughness, as well as the physical enoughness. And I know that I sometimes open my wardrobe and go, Boy, have I got too much. <laughs> so I enough. think we've all got to spend some time yeah. reflecting on yeah. what is enough. I think that I've really taken that message. And mm-hmm. in business, I think some of the people I coach, I often ask them, have we got enough now? Mm. Do we need? Could we not give quite mm. a lot of that profit away now? Mm. Is that, you know, what are you going to do? Mm. You've paid all your bills. You've paid your staff mm. well. You've paid yourself well. So now what? we doing Mm. and I think the the question of of what is enough in business is a really interesting question I'm sure we're going to talk about that in the book (laughs) for certain Um, I think I also agree it's such a beautiful question and I think it's a big deal when we go from this this attitude that people have in the world and we have of you know more 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 Mm. to actually stopping and having the courage to say okay this is enough now what so I mean, what, what happened? Could you share a little bit of your story about how you went from just working and making more and more money to mm. actually that moment where I thought, when you thought, actually, no, this is how much I need and this is enough. What was that moment? Yeah, I mean, like, how did that happen? Yeah, it's been a gradual process. Okay. Though, I mean, along the way in anybody's life, I'm sure they have key pivotal events, Yeah. you know, and I've had a few of those. Yeah. And those pivotal events... Uh, often you will see things very clearly and you will suddenly see what's precious and what's not. You know, Mm. often if people, for instance, I lost my father when I was quite young, yeah? And often at that point, you will get some insight. Somehow everything falls away and you see what really matters, Mm. yeah? And many people will have those moments and they're very powerful moments if you then really can manifest them afterwards and not then just go back 
to where you were, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I've had some key moments like that, and I, I talk about them in the uh, book. And then this process of then how you digest those the teachings and those moments of insight which come at those moments, then they need to be gradually worked on, right? Mm. And so I think there's always this combination of lightning moments and then this deeper process of di- digesting and really putting it into action because you know as we know from neuroscience um, practicing new mental habits is a practice you know to change your thinking to change the the wiring in, in your brain you actually need to develop new mental habits you know so for instance if you're developing a new mental habit about I have enough mm-hmm. you really need to think about that you need to repeat it to yourself mm-hmm. and when you, you you know you're you're casting your eyes at L.K. Bennett for another pair of shoes. You know, you really need to think, I have enough. I'm free. I have enough. I'm free. Like this, yeah. Yeah. And then the mind will begin to be rewired. But all the time that the mind thinks, I don't have enough, I need more, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, then obviously you're practicing that way of thinking, right? So there's moments of insight and then there's moments of digestion where the uh, wiring of the thinking needs to be deliberately, gently changed over time. Then the human really... uh, uh, progresses. Mm, that is very beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, I love mm. that. It's a very practical tool. Like, yes. how many business people think, you know, I have enough, I am yeah, free, yeah. I have enough, I am free. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just a, as important for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. Great Otherwise, important. you're just in the entrapment of, of of greed. And as I say, where where does greed come from? Greed must come from the feeling that you do not have enough. That means you're in a state of need. Yeah. When you're mm. in a state of need, it's very vulnerable. Because if the need is not being constantly satisfied, then the human is very unhappy, right? And the mind is very unhappy. Well, that's clearly how where unhappiness lies, right? So clearly, saying I have enough, this is the point of freedom. This is the point in which happiness arises. I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm full. I'm full. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it overflows, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> then, then, yeah. It, then it starts to overflow if you feel full. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. and with then with then you have the right spirit to give with. Yeah, it's yeah. not a grudging like, oh no, really, I need it. I really, yeah. I really, I'm in a huge state of need here, but yeah. I'll give you two p. Yeah. You know, it's not got that that tinge to it. You know, yeah. it, it's coming with this real openness and real floweringness, yeah. and that's then the the giver will be very very the. Feeling abundant and very joyful that they can help, and all these wonderful things that come, which will really give them such a profound experience of what it is to be human. Mm. Mm. I re- I'm really hearing this, yeah. and I and I know that um, as we are examining the book and thinking about you know, some of the practical things, mm. I think we're really going to embed that thinking, Emma. I think mm. it's been absolutely valuable yeah. and yeah. i and I, I can really see it in a business context it'd be really interesting as you know if we get into go into some large corporates and go do you have enough in this corporate <laughs> yeah. that'd be interesting what could you do yeah. with the excess yeah. i think that's gonna be a great question we could ask yeah. business people of all levels yeah. and i and i think it's a very practical thing we can all ask ourselves yeah. in our businesses and our home life it's a really practical thing to say to our children yeah. we've got enough toys now yeah. let's give some of those lovely toys to children who haven't got any mm. toys. Yeah. And I think children see it very clearly. I think children, they've got what I call the simple mind. They, they, they see need and they just want to do stuff because mm. they, they, they have a sense. Mm. And I think as we get older, sometimes we begin to tell ourselves these things that we haven't got enough. Mm. 
But I, I would really, I would really look in depth at the um, marginal utility theory because there it's in black and white. Yes, absolutely. You know, we know there's a diminishing return uh, from consumption. Mm. This is proven. Yeah, absolutely. This is economic. Yeah. This is not mm. Buddhist. Yes, exactly. Ambi pambi meditation. Mm. Come on, this <laughs> yeah. is economic theory. Absolutely. We, we, <laughs> when you're talking to business people, you know, use their tools. Use Indeed, their understanding. You come from an economic basis. You cannot argue with it. Yeah, mm. that's good. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I've got a bit of a question about mm. you run this organisation, this charity. Could you say a little bit more about it and maybe how you work through the different challenges that may come up? How you manage that charity? Yes, I mean, if you're going to set up an organisation as I've done and, and run it really just with volunteers, relying on the goodwill of others, mm-hmm. it's a quite a big thing to do. Uh, you have to be very determined, yes. You have to really understand the suffering that you're seeking to alleviate and inside make a very strong mental commitment to not give up because there will be obstacles for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, I set up this charity, Opening Your Heart to Bhutan, and um, that was in 2015 now, and I've really dedicated myself to it. And uh, that mental attitude of, of, of knowing that you're helping others and not, not going to give up is very important to carry you through some of the obstacles that may come your way. Things are really taking off now. I think people have been very inspired by the book. And as the word about the charity grows and the fact that we don't have, you know, we don't have an office and we don't have carpets and we, you know, we, we give, you know, all of the money goes to Bhutan that we raise. I think people like that. But it does yeah. require a huge commitment on, on my part and the part of the secretary and the treasurer and the chairman of the charity. It does require a huge commitment mm. of their um of their time and that's why I like to stay close to the children that we're helping you know I like to know exactly who they are I've been Mm. to their houses I know their medical conditions I've usually read their medical notes I have to stay close to them because then I don't lose that determination so the closeness with the people that you're helping is very important to me Mm. yeah Mm. to keep you uh, motivated yeah yeah yeah, wow, wow. Mm. But I mean, obviously, I've used, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember we were building a, uh, we were building a hostel for disabled girls in, in Eastern, in Eastern Bhutan at the school. And uh, I remember sitting down for a coffee with the uh, local government engineer who was signing off on the plans, you know, and I, I can, I can't forget the look of kind of shock on his face when this Buddhist nun from the West, who was already a Buddhist nun, which was kind of strange to them anyway, uh, was, you know, asking him these very detailed questions about the size of the aggregate they were using <laughs> in the foundations and the the kind of uh, drainage system, exactly how it was going to work. I think he was very surprised by that. But, yeah. you know, the biggest don- donor to this charity basically is me, right? I mean, yeah. I pay all my costs and my travel costs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and coming from my investment background, I, I don't want to waste a penny, right? <laughs> so there I am, this government engineer grilling him about the size of the aggregate and the mix of the concrete, you know, because if you get the wrong mix, the concrete's not very stable, right? Yeah. And I just didn't think he could believe what he was seeing. But, um, you know, I've, I, as I said, when I was in the investment world, you, you really have to 
drill down and get to the truth of things um, when it comes to making wise investments and doing these kinds of things. So those those mm. skills they really, mm. <laughs> really come to the detailed fore. questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty surprised. If I need to build anything, I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think when I did all those, you know, chartered financial <laughs> analyst exams in, you know, all those kinds of statistics and mathematics and return on investment, I never thought I'd be using them for this. But there you go. Never know what's going to happen now. You're thinking this is going to be really useful when I become a Buddhist nun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I need to learn more about spreadsheets. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Excel for a greater purpose. But I think that yeah. that's the nub of it, really, because I think we've all got amazing skills. And then when we can use them for mm. a greater purpose, mm. that is the magic mm. for me. Mm. And I love it. I love reading your book. And I'm thinking, oh, I, yeah, oh, I totally, I can, I can see Emma mm. in her suits now, kicking, <laughs> clicking down. The, and, and the then, shoes, and the shoes. And now, and now there she is in her robe. And, you know, we have a different conversation. But what I notice is the rigor. It's the rigor of yeah. the thinking, mm. the determination, determination yeah. which you would have to have to work in the yeah. city. And I think some of our listeners will be going, I really want to change my life, but I work in the city or mm. I work in this. And I'm saying, well, here's, here's living proof that you can take all those wonderful assets that you have, that all those attributes, mm. and you can turn them around and do something great. Absolutely. Or you can stay exactly where you are <laughs> and just... Uh, support others like me who are doing it. Indeed. You know, I get lovely emails from people all over the world saying, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm this, I'm that. I can't leave, you know, and maybe I shouldn't leave, but I can help you do your thing. I can't be you, but I can help you be yes, you. Yes, that's And great. that's great. And I tell you what, the, the, that feeling when somebody says that to you, that I, I can't do what you've done, you know, I can't leave my children, I can't, I can't do whatever, um, I can't put on robes, I can't be celibate. A lot of people struggle with that notion. Um, but I really believe in what you're doing and I'm going to be one of your supporters. And that, I mean, how can I do this without support, right? I, I'm useless. Yes, Without absolutely. support, I'm useless. So those people, when I get an email through like that, it really, really absolutely makes my day. You so know? we know we've now, we've got... We're interdependent. Two, yeah, absolutely. We're interdependent. Yeah. You know, and then that's the... Uh, we all have that role to play. But I should say that also from a, uh, from a Buddhist point of view, the... The, the fact that we're having this conversation and we're saying we all have a chance to play, we can all use our skills to help others. We're already very privileged and not everybody in the world that I've seen in some states of difficulty has that opportunity. Mm. So to be honest, for the people who, who do have that opportunity, they're already very lucky, to be honest. Yes, yes. Um, and so we probably wouldn't see it like that because we think we've caused everything. But uh, in fact, we're already born into very auspicious circumstances very auspicious causes and conditions if we have those talents and we could even have an opportunity to say I have enough and I can use them for others I mean that is already a very amazing place to have mm. uh, got to indeed indeed so I suppose there's the importance of gratitude I suppose would come in then because of it's so easy with all the stuff that we've got to still think that we haven't got enough right I suppose it comes back to the I have not enough and I have enough yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know about gratitude, but I think it's to from from my point of view, it's just seeing clearly. I mean, just clearly look at your you look at your conditions. Look around oh, yeah. the world and look at your conditions compared to the conditions to of so many. Yeah. I don't know if it's gratitude. It's just seeing clearly. Seeing mm. clearly yeah. You know, not being in a state of a, illusion. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, 
I suppose my last question is like uh, this is really nice how you mentioned the the importance of interdependence. So mm. you got the so in a way, mm. yes, charities are important to give, but then there's the importance of businesses and people who have got mm. jobs to actually support them. Mm. And in the same way, the charity is important so that they can reach people that the businesses maybe can't can't reach. Yeah. So so the people that are listening are more kind of either running a business or thinking about a business, but also want to put some heart into it, want, want, want it to be doing something that makes a difference. So is there any kind of final tips or thoughts that you have for people that are running a business or thinking about starting a business and trying to bring a bit more heart into it or make it a little bit more conscious? Any tips for them? Anybody in a position of leadership has an extraordinary opportunity. And uh, I would say consider... Consider what what you wanted to be uh, when you were young. You know, when you were young, what, what do you want to be? You want to be liked. You want to be admired. You want to inspire other people, right? You don't want to be remembered for being the naggy guy that was really a pain in meetings and never listened to anybody. You want to be somebody who empowered others, inspired others, that people say, wow, they were great. They really helped me. They've helped all these other people. And I would say, if you want to be a leader, inspire others. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. And we we were, we, talking, we, we, we were talking about that earlier. Inspiration being yes. so important. And, and uh, I just want to say, I mean, I, I have been really inspired by your book. I we, we would love all our listeners to buy Emma's book. We'll have all the details um, on the end of the podcast. And uh, a huge thank you. Thank My you for pleasure. coming in and thank you for <laughs> sparing us some time. And Because I know you are extremely involved and, and busy in what you're doing. Mm. And uh, it's been a thank great privilege. Luck. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Don't thank stop. you for what you do in the world. It's amazing. Really <laughs> it's appreciate great. that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much. So, yeah, check it out. Bye for now, everybody. Bye.